This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. January, almost over, finally. Cold snaps and storm Aisha. I hope you came through them unscathed. And I think I've got an episode here that will warm even the coldest of hearts. Stand by as it's coming soon. First, though. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Always appreciated. If you've missed any of the recent episodes, they are available at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. I recently spoke with England fan James Harrison about his England journey. You can tune into that, where he's been, the stories he has. Uh, if you'd like to share your England journey, by all means, drop me a line either on social media or three lions podcast at gmail.com. There was also the episode where I spoke with Marco Kunar, who gave us a guide to those German cities we'll be playing in later this year in the Euros. That one is episode 300. Uh, we go through Gelsenkirchen, Cologne and Frankfurt, isn't it? Yes. Serbia, Denmark and Slovenia. Uh, I also mentioned recently that I'm planning on a Valentine's episode. Uh, I've already bought a relevant programme so for the research, so chances are I'm going to do it, aren't I? Uh, but if you'd like to contribute to it with any England-related romance stories, again, contact me by social media or that email, threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Maybe your eyes met over a beer at the Green Man. Maybe you were celebrating Luke Shaw's goal in the final and found yourself in the arms of your future partner. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, whatever. Let me know. It is the ugly side of the beautiful game. This is what officers face at football matches every week. Our diary of England's Euro 2000 disgrace. This was what England had been building for for two years, the chance to test ourselves against the best in Europe. Unfortunately, it was the same for our hooligans. In central Brussels, England fans found the Belgian police less laid back than their Dutch counterparts. The snatch squads moved in and English fans were about to learn the true meaning of zero tolerance. What followed was 20 minutes of mayhem that cost England dear. Plastic tables and chairs were thrown, but the real damage was incalculable. But another major competition had been tarnished, and as a football nation, England was once again the pariah of Europe. Now, over the years, England fans have had a negative reputation that has, thankfully, slowly been worn off. 
mainly thanks to the good behaviour home and abroad of England fans. He'll never be perfect, but thanks to those fans that raise money for charities, lay wreaths for fallen soldiers on foreign soil, uh, or in the case of Cuthbert Ottaway, England's first captain, raising money to return his grave back to a suitable state after it had been left in disarray. There are, of course, lots more good deeds by England fans. But here, I think I have one of the most recent. Now, as human beings, we're all suckers for an animal story, aren't we? Uh, I don't think we've covered many on here before, uh, so let's do one. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Warsaw, an England fan, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Russell. It's good to be here. Welcome along. Thank you very much. Um, seems a bit random to be coming on an England podcast to talk about the lovely Lexo, but wow. uh, yeah, nice to be here. I think it's something that, uh, well, I'm I'm really excited to hear about. I think people are going to be really interested. Um, we'll explain who Lexo is very soon, but just give us a Give us a little background as to you and, and England. So my England journey um, started at Euro 96, really, um, only as a young person sort of watching it on TV. I didn't get to go to any of the games. I'm from Birmingham. I remember seeing a lot of um, Dutch people around Birmingham City Centre, not really sort of, you know, just just really enjoying it and not really understanding kind of what was going on, but wanting to be part of it. Then watching the matches on the telly, seeing the players kind of really belting out the national anthem and just remember thinking, I really want to go to, to watch England, you know, when I'm when I'm an adult, when I'm I really want to go. So I think that's what really inspired me at the time. So my first tournament, just going along to sort of a fan zone and, and being there was um Portugal and then Germany uh 2006 and various tournaments since then, really, Ukraine, Brazil, France. Um so yeah, Porto as well for the United Nations. Yeah. So done a fair few now. Um, was put some miles in. Yeah, put some miles in. Um, but then I went, I went to live in Jersey for a couple of years. Um, okay. Yeah, so with work and did a couple of years over there. So while I was there and then a year sort of following that, um, I had a bit of a gap, so I'm I'm playing catch up now. And obviously, there's a massive flurry since doing so well um, in Russia, really, isn't there? So I'm yeah. I'm kind of playing catch up with the old caps. But yeah, love following England. Um, I just what I love the most about it is obviously the people, meeting the people yeah. when you go to countries, and um, and also just experiencing different countries that you wouldn't ordinarily perhaps go to. Yeah, I think. That's the fundamental thing for me. So when people say to me quite often, you know, well, but certainly in the past and we haven't done so well, you know, why do you bother? Why do you spend all that money following England? You know, it's just you can't put it into words unless you actually do it. It's really for me about the experiences that you have, going to see different countries, meeting different people along the way, and that that for me is is magic. I mean, one of my, my one of my best tournaments was Brazil. You know, and we didn't even get out of the group. And yet, and yet for me, that was like one of the best, if not the best experience of my life. So I don't think I'll ever stop, really. I'm sort of, I don't want to give my age away, but I'm, I'm well into my 40s. And, um, you know, every tournament comes along, I think, oh, sure, Mexico, America, Canada, maybe that'll be my last. But then who knows? No, we're, we're all hooked. We're all hooked. 
Well, you mentioned these different countries. Let's go back to to North Macedonia, November of last year, game that I went to as well. Um, lo and behold, I guess when you when you booked it and, and looked into it, little did you know how uh, how a few lives would be changing. Well, uh, exactly that, really, and I've sort of reflected on it quite a bit since uh, since since Lexo's arrived and just how I, can't, I suppose my life's changed now for the foreseeable future. And yeah, not 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 having a clue really what was in store. <laughs> Um, but having said that, I'm not a novice to kind of street animals um, and rescuing animals from right. from the street. I rescued two my two boys, two cats from 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 Cyprus when I was on holiday there in 2019. So yeah, I'm not a novice to it really. But this is my first time with a dog, so very different experience. And um, with Lexo, in particular, you know he's. We know that he was born on the streets, and I'll talk about that, I suppose, in a little bit about more about Lexo. But we know a bit more information about him because of their the scheme, I suppose, in North Macedonia where they they, they trap and neuter the dogs and yeah. um, the program they've got over there. So I've got a bit of information on him, and that's how we know his name's Lexo, actually. Ah, so it's not a name that that you gave to him. No, no, it's not. It's actually his North Macedonian um, public shelter name. Um, which is so lovely, really. I mean, the fans will know from visiting North Macedonia with the street dog um, issue, I suppose. I mean, from research, there's around 6,000 apparently sort of on the street. So it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive issue, but they do have quite a government sort of programme in place where they will trap and neuter the dogs and also vaccinate them. Um, and if that has happened, you, you'll notice there's a tag in their ear yes. um, and, then, and they're numbered. Um, so Lexo's number was zero six eight, and yeah. So he so when it's he like his would, legacy number, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so when he was neutered and trapped by the public shelter scheme, um, they named him Lexo, and that goes on their system really. So that's how that's how I come to find out that his name was Lexo with all the sort of contacting I did of so many different sort of charities the public shelter because initially we had to try and find him you know because we met him on the streets yeah and then obviously returned um here and then it was right let's um let's try and find this boy well i well, for those that didn't go to to Skopje and north macedonia there are a lot of i don't know it is stray dogs the the right phrase but there's there's a lot of dogs roaming around um and whilst i was having someone to eat and a beer there one came and just lay down beside me as mm-hmm. as i was there and i was, I was very oh, i don't have a dog personally um there, there's a dog in the family um so it's not as if i'm averse to dogs but i was very could is it was he safe to touch um and stroke um mm-hmm. so i was a little bit wary um but there's there's plenty around and, and much like when i i went into macedonia from uh Thessalonica in Greece again there they've got a, a similar sort of dogs around um but you obviously became attached to to Lexo how did that but where did you sort of meet yeah so um well the thing is we went we went to Kosovo first so I went along mm. with a, a friend um Paul and a friend Paul was you know he's been going through a bit of a difficult time really of late so I'd said to him you know why don't you come on an England away with me you know just down tours for a bit come away yeah you'll have a great time he follows Warsaw 
I know him through work. I know him through following Warsaw. And, um, you know, he said, what are the chances of getting a ticket? I said, well, you won't really get one. Uh, you're not even a member, you know, so yeah. you won't get it. Um, lo and behold, he joined on deadline day and he did get a ticket. Oh, um, <laughs> quite, quite unbelievable, but he did. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it all kind of fell into place. So while I was over there with Paul, we went to Kosovo first. And obviously people that, that, that did go to Kosovo and have been to Kosovo know that there's you know similar sort of um, situation with the dogs. And so we, I suppose I come across about 30 dogs, really, in the time that I was in Kosovo and North Macedonia. And, um, yeah, I think with Lexo, initially, he what, 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 what drew me to Lexo was that he was on his own. A lot of the dogs that we sort of come across were, you know, there was a couple around, two or three, and they were kind right. of in packs. Or, and he just seemed to be on his own, and he was, he was outside the Irish bar you know um right by the the hotel where we sort of collected tickets and whatnot he he was he was just lying there and he got his paws crossed and he just looked so down in the dumps and like you cautiously sort of walked past and there was nothing from him there was no you know a lot of the dogs that I'd sort of perhaps stroked and 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 given attention they they were very what i noticed in north macedonia was the dogs were just super friendly right. and i suppose that is a survival strategy isn't it really to be friendly to humans you know that's what helps them to exist really and survive in the yeah. world so but lexo was just he seemed depressed you know he seemed like if he could speak he would just say just end my life now you know that's how Aww. i felt when i come away i just couldn't get him out of my mind and but we went and got we went and got some food and we sat down and Paul said to me, you know, I can't get that dog out of my mind. Um, and I said, I oh, know, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult, isn't it, to see? And, you know, we had a chat about it. And then when we came out, I said, look, if he's there still, you know, let's go get some food or do something. And we come out and he wasn't, he'd gone. And Paul was saying, Paul kept saying, you know, I just can't get that dog out of my mind. And on the way back to the airport in the taxi, I was talking to the taxi driver about the dog issue. And he was saying, you know, a lot of the dogs don't, sadly make it through winter and right. they really do they really kind of do live day by day and um when the winter kicks in for sure and so yeah that is just the situation really with the dog so when we got on the airplane paul was at the opposite end of the airplane and he came up to me mid-flight and he said you know lisa i can't get that dog out of my mind <laughs> so i said look paul if you want to do something about that dog I will help you, you know, I will support you. I will help you. We will raise the funds. We will do whatever we need to do. If you're serious about rescuing the dog, you know, I, I, I will I will help you. So he said, okay, um, you know, let me sort of, let me have a think about it. And um, so I thought we got off the plane, we got home and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to fundraise and I'm going to rescue this dog and I'll, I'll, I'll re-own him anyway because I couldn't get him out of my mind. And then Paul said, no, I do want to rescue him. So we went down that road. He did the yeah. application to adopt Lexo. We did the fundraising with England fans, which was just absolutely phenomenal. So just a massive, massive thank you to everybody that did help raise the money. It's always, it's, you know, always really heartwarming when you try and, you know, fundraise like that for animals. And when I fundraised to rescue my cats, I had, I, I tried to get £500 in five days. And within five days, I'd got a grand. So I ended no. up rescuing two of them. <laughs> <laughs> luckily that didn't happen with Lexo so I haven't ended up with two street dogs but, 
but yeah, no, then Paul sort of, you know, he understandably had reservations and apprehensions about, you know, this is a street animal, you know, what are the, what are the difficulties going to be? And so he, he sort of said, look, I, I don't think I can go through with this. Um, and I felt really committed to Lexo. I was already invested. I was already heavily invested at this point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got in touch with the charity and explained the situation and said, look, look you know, I'm, I'm really keen to, to still rescue this boy and obviously spoke to my partner who was uh, supportive of that. Because um, it is a big, it's such a massive, massive, you know, I don't underestimate for a second um, the investment and the time and the commitment yeah. that it take really for, for Lexo. Um, so, yeah, we had a really good talk about it and decided let's go through with it. And uh, here we are. Wow. So I've got I've got some silly questions, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, no, some but well, my silly question is, is there a language barrier? Well, somebody <laughs> commented now on the on the on the forum and of course he doesn't even know his name, you know, he's turned up, he doesn't even know it, obviously there's no commands that he knows in English. Yeah. Uh, there's there's he doesn't know his name, he doesn't respond to his name. It's uh, today I was so super proud of him. We're into day ten. And, um, you know, the support that I'm getting through the charity, Paupers in the Rough, and it's, it's quite phenomenal. It is daily input, you know, and I've got right. a call straight after this at 2pm with a behaviourist, you know, and they're just so super, super brilliant. I can't praise them enough. And, yeah, they're teaching me really how to sort of try and develop that relationship with a street dog because this isn't, you know, this isn't your average kind of dog or puppy coming into your home. Um but then having said that, that doesn't mean you can't retrain, you know, his yeah. brain. You can't, you know, his brain's maladaptive, just like ours. You know, it's just going to take a bit more time. So, yeah, it's uh, today I was so super proud of him because, you know, ham feeding him and saying his name, Lexo, and he just, he looked at me immediately. Whereas before wow. it's been taking 10, 15 times, you know, and then he glances. But you don't feed him until he literally gives you eye contact. And okay. so today... It was like time after time after time, Lexo, and he'd look straight at me, you know, and then and then food. So, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's slow progress, Russell. Slow progress. What what type of dog is he? Well, do you know what I am having him DNA'd, um, oh. so we will know that shortly. Uh, but the I don't know how you pronounce it, but the charity did tell me it, it's spelled Sarplaninac, is what they think is the majority breed. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a shepherd uh, dog um, breed. It's bred for mountains, and um, you know they're 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 kind of working dogs, um, mm. but so a bit hardy at times. Um, now, obviously, he's been assessed over there. You know, they do a fan- fantastic job. He spent um, six weeks at the vets. Right. There've been assessments with him around his suitability to come and live in a family home, his suitability to be around cats, his suitability with other dogs um, and strangers. So, for him, although that's that is potentially within his breed, every dog is individual, aren't they? And so, for him, you can immediately you can take food out of his out of his mouth, which is quite incredible for a street dog. Right? Yeah, you can take food from him. Um, he's he can be a bit guardy, as in if you're walking him. Yeah. Which another thing you'd have to learn how to be on a harness on a lead is like what the hell? 
you know why why are you restricting me on my walk you know what are you doing I just want to you know he looks at me in the park as if to say right you can go now I'm I'm done I'm all right you know you can leave me here because he just lies down in the park and just wants to stay you can't he's not like a dog that walks around with you like every other normal dog he just Mm. wants to lie down and kick about in the park so yeah it's 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 all it's all a learning curve really a steep learning curve but I feel as every day goes on we've had our challenges you know the cat flap is is a challenge it sets him off oh right Uh, yeah but he hasn't he hasn't met the cats yet as you know which is the advice I've been given yeah um, slowly 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 with him um so he hasn't actually met them so i just think it's a bit of a bit of you know what is that noise banging you know because it's all this it's all sort of trying to reduce the stimulation with him and turning the telly off and these kind of things mechanical noises he, he's he's like what is that when the when the dishwasher's on or the the washing machine's on yeah those kind of things that you think a street dog just just don't get really living yeah. at home, you know. Yeah, it's understandable, I guess. When you when you put it like that, they're they're not going to come across those sort of things—a cat flap or a, a a washing machine. Of course not. Yeah. What did I answer your question anyway, Russell? I can't remember what it was. Well, yeah. I mean, what what type of dog was he? And and you said that it's <laughs> oh, yeah. all, all yeah. in sort of process. I mean, has he got an age? Yeah. So because obviously he was through their street program, he's mm. he's around um, two and a half. Right. Around two and a half years old, which to me looks older than that. You know, I thought he was going to be older than that, but I suppose, you know, the existence and life on the streets maybe takes its toll. You know, he's got lots of scars sort of on his paws and on his face, oh. and perhaps where he's cut himself trying to get into food. And he's a master at getting in the bin in the kitchen. You can't leave it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All those scraps. Yeah, oh. yeah, he's he's super intelligent at being able to sniff a bin out. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, how, how's he adapting? Because, of, I mean, the the weather in Skopje at the time it was it was quite nice during the day, but as soon as the sun went down, it was it got really chilly. Um, and and obviously now we're talking just after storm Aisha Isha, however they pronounce it. It's a bit chilly here. How's he coping with that? It's an interesting one because I, I love my house. I mean, I, I've got a T-shirt on now. I love my own 22, 23 degrees always, you know. So I do, I'm mindful of that with him because, you know, I keep opening the kitchen window and sort of letting that fresh air in for him because I'm mindful that his coat actually is quite thick. He's shedding a lot. And that's right. probably to do with the fact that he's in a warmer environment. Right. Um, but other than that, he seems, you know, with the weather, um, he seems to be fine. And I do, I do actually have a look at Scopio weather from time to time. And at the minute, it's a lot milder than it is here, um, up to 13, 14 some days. So, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think uh, he's probably thinking, what on earth have you done bringing me to Warsaw? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it took quite a while to, to get him from mm. Scopio to, to Warsaw. What? What was the procedure and did he have to have sort of vaccinations and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so there was a there was a number of complexities to it really. So uh I don't know where to start. I mean, in, in the first instance, the the charity were phenomenal. You know, they didn't ask for any money up front or anything like that. It was just about a serious commitment to finding him. Um so obviously we did the fundraising page and pretty much got a lot of money quite quickly. 
Um, so it wasn't about funds. It was more about he'd had his vaccination. So they obviously checked out with the public shelter what the situation was with, with Lexo. They have to check his health, whether he's already got any diseases they're aware of. You know, there are particular diseases they won't let the dogs travel. If they fail their assessments, they, they you know, some dogs, they will say they're not suitable um potentially but that doesn't happen very often at all but it, you know there are dogs that like the dump dogs the dogs that live at the dump the rubbish tip oh, and right. there are dogs sadly that are in those situations where they would say you know they can't they can't come over but yeah. like so he'd had his vaccinations he was pretty much good to go but because paul paul was going to have lex in, in initially wasn't he so Paul had said that he'd got lots of commitments uh, leading up to Christmas and after Christmas, so could we look at January? So that was the plan, really, for him to come over in the January. And then, of course, when that changed, I was quite keen to get him over as soon as, as, soon as I could. Now, they don't normally have dogs come over before New Year because of the whole transition and the fireworks and people having oh. celebrations and all of, course, of that. Yeah. It's about, you know, really trying to, 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 to make, give it the best opportunity for the dogs having sort of less traumatic experiences. So he, he ended up, anyway, long story short, he ended up coming over on the 9th of January. Yeah, the, bus, the buses come over with animals about every two to three weeks. Um, and obviously they try and rescue as many as they can on the buses to make it financially viable. So I think there was around 35 dogs that come over with Lex. To England from yeah. What else has there's plenty of other people are doing the same thing as other Macedonian yeah. dogs around the country. Absolutely, and I suppose that's that's one of the pertinent points really I wanted to make on this podcast because a lot of people on the forum were sort of saying, "Oh, you know, this is incredible, this is amazing, this is absolutely unbelievable," and it did get me thinking. You know, I just wonder what the um, perhaps what the knowledge is out there of people rescuing from countries where animal welfare isn't as isn't anywhere near as good as ours you know you, yeah. you you won't generally see streets that dogs walking around the street in the uk you know no. I know that there are dogs need rescuing in the uk of course there are but for me um you know when you see animals like that on the streets and sort of in desperate need it, it pulls on my heartstrings uh just that that bit more i suppose and so you know i, I feel that uh yeah like with the cats you know we've got the mm. cats over in cyprus and and yeah, it's doable. And and not only that, obviously there are some charities like anything really are sort of better than others, but I cannot praise Corpus in the Rough enough because I do know I've got friends who have rescued from abroad, Romania, Cyprus, different various different places, and they haven't had anywhere near as much support as as uh, as I've had. And I'm quite amazed actually at the daily contact. I've had phone calls. Uh, calls like this, really, just to talk through certain things, just to make sure I'm responding in the right mm. way. When you, yeah. Um, to make sure these behaviours don't manifest into things like separation anxiety or barking excessively, because these kind of things could break down him being here, couldn't they? You know, those kind of things could break down the the the, the place, the adoption, if you like. So yeah. they try and do everything within their power, I guess, to make sure that you, you you're fully sort of um, equipped to to respond to their needs. And he's crate trained as well. He's come over. They've crate trained him. Um, so right now he's having downtime. He's in his crate. He's been on a been on a walk with me this morning. Yeah. Which he can some like I said, he can be stubborn. He, and I think that might be his breed. Right. That might be he's 35 kilos, Russell. This this boy. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, I was really surprised with his weight. I, honestly, my partner said, how heavy do you reckon he is? I said, I think about 17, 18 kilos, I guess. And then literally when they, because he was lying down in the street. Like, it's literally yeah. that's all of him. And when he stands up, his legs are so long and he's <laughs> he's, at, he's 35 kilos, yeah, of, of pure Macedonian hunky muscle. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure there'll be a few choice words when he learns to jump up on the sofa onto you at 35 kilos. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But he's so good. You know, he doesn't even try and bother. He's, I think he's so used to just lying on the floor. And even his soft bed, I have to put a towel down on the hard floor because he just don't really, he's not keen on soft beds and things like that. It's about you know, what they know, I suppose, and what they're used to and adapting to things like that. So adapting to having a soft bed or you know just going on a lead putting a harness on he's um yeah. all of those kind of things and but he's doing on the whole considering everything he's been through and you know turning up in a different country and, and having to get used to all the different sounds sights smells um living in a house he's just doing incredibly well and i just can't i can't thank everybody enough really it's a lovely story uh, re- really nice How's he gonna be though when you uh when you pop down to Wembley for Brazil and Belgium? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could bring him along, couldn't I? As a yeah. mascot. <laughs> you know. If he didn't have his name, if he hadn't got his name, Lex, so I probably would have ended up naming him uh, some of the suggestions on there. I, like, I particularly liked Kyle Walkies and uh, Harry Kane on. <laughs> but yeah, when I when I go down to Wembley, obviously I've got my partner here who will yeah. uh He'll look after him. I've got a couple of days away training as well. I don't want to go now because I don't want to leave him. But, um, yeah, life carries on, obviously, doesn't it? It's just trying to keep him as settled and stable as as we can while um, while I'm away. But this, there's the two of us and um, we're lucky in terms of I can work from home quite a bit. My partner works shifts, so we've got that arrangement where we can try and sort it out with him. But, yeah, he won't be coming to fly the flag with me down London. <laughs> <Not just laughs> Well, he's, he sounds like he's all set up for a uh, for a lovely life in Walsall there, Lexo. Yeah, yeah. I hope hopefully he will he will settle and he'll be absolutely fine. My only anxiety, in all honesty, Russell, is the cats because obviously he hasn't met them yet. Yeah. Um, but he has been cat tested over in North Macedonia, and um, well, the videos are just ridiculous. He seems more scared of them, to be honest. He, <laughs> He shies away. He's looking at them as if to say, like, get that cat away from me. Um, and they've tested him with a few cats. So it it all looks very positive, but they did say it can be different when you get to a home environment because obviously then that becomes something to guard, doesn't it, you know, your home environment. So we'll see how that goes. But we've got support from the behaviourist and the charity who have been phenomenal. Um, yeah. And just a quick shout out as well, if anyone does want to rescue any cats uh, from Egypt, perhaps, then have a look at Mercy Missions. They're a fabulous, fabulous charity as well, who sort of help cats coming over from from Egypt and different places. Just wanted to give them a shout out for the cats. Absolutely. Great stuff. I'll tell you what, well, uh, I'll take some of the... um some of the websites and the, the organizations from you and I'll, I'll post them up alongside this um lisa thank you very much for your for your time i wish very you welcome. wish you and lexo all the best for a uh, a long healthy life there with you yeah thank you so much russell thanks for the chat
My many thanks go to Lisa there for her time. Really enjoyed that one. Hope you did too, hearing all about Lexo and his journey. And we didn't even need to cover the game. That's long forgotten, that one. Uh, I have to be honest, I wasn't aware of the uh, the charities that do all this work on behalf of the dogs and cats. So just to reiterate some of those organisations that Lisa mentioned, paupersintherough.com, P-A-W-P-E-R-S-I-N-T-H-E-R-U-F-F.com. If you'd like to donate on behalf of Lexo, you can do so there. And also Mercy Missions, who are dedicated to helping save abandoned, injured and abused cats in Egypt and finding them loving forever homes here in the UK. Give them a Google Mercy Missions. That's all for me for this episode. I'll be back with you very soon. I'm hoping to take a look at all the England-related January transfers that have taken place during this winter window and also speak with another author who has taken pen to paper and written a book all about England. I hope you can join me for it. Until then, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.